Holly Campbell, and this is Simply Said. Hello, hello, hello. This is Polly Campbell, and you're listening to Polly Campbell Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy so that we can create the work we love and live the lives we want to live. I think this is what it's all about. It comes down to this, right? We spend so much of our time working, and if we're living engaged life, the rest of the time we spend with our family and friends and traveling and exploring new foods and books and whatever it is we do. But If one of those things isn't working, if we're not enjoying the things we're doing in our so-called free time, or if our work is a drag, then something takes a hit. We're off balance. And so I'm always looking at ways, the, the psychological ways, the way we think about things, the way we create the lives and the work around our lives that can really elevate our experience. And today we're going to get real specific. Today we're talking about gig workers. Have you heard that term? Do you know what that is? The United States Chamber of Commerce defines gig workers as independent contractors or freelancers, that's me, who typically do short-term work or projects for multiple clients. Now, in my case, some of that short-term work has been years, but I work on a contract basis month by month with particular clients. So the work I do can be project-based or I can be paid by the hour. I can work as many as an hour or two one time, or I work for years on a monthly basis with some of my clients, but that is my primary source of income. I have multiple clients and um, I'm self-employed. I don't employ others with me, though I've hired my own contractors from time to time for proofreading, copy editing, and marketing and all that kind of stuff. But I am self-employed and I work with multiple clients. So based on this definition by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, I'm a gig worker. I'm a freelancer. And in 2019, there were more than 57 million of us in the U.S. doing this kind of work. I bet that number is growing a little bit or more people are exploring it, right? The pandemic has kind of shifted this balance where more people are looking to create a lifestyle as well as a business, as around the work they're doing. And more people are bringing it home to do remote work and and changing the nature, maybe creating a side hustle so that one day you can leave the office job, whatever it is, there's lots of ways to think about this. But the bottom line is gig workers, it's a career choice and it is a job and you've got to treat it like that. And today I'm so thrilled to have Sherry Beck Papraki here because we're talking about all this. And Sherry has written a great book, Freelance Fancy, Your Guide to Capturing Spiritual Health, Wealth, and Happiness from Gig Work. And she knows of what she's talked. She's been doing this for more than 30 years. She's an award-winning writer, author of more than a dozen books, including juvenile biographies about Oprah Winfrey and Katie Couric and others. She's a past president of the American Society of Journalists and Authors, and she's been named among Folio's top women in media. Sherry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Polly. I'm so happy to join you today. Well, we were talking before and I just launched in. There's so much I want to know. And I think this is a a really timely. I think a lot of people, if they haven't considered freelance work before, they're starting to think about it now because I think meaning in life and meaning in our work is becoming uh, more important to people now. What's your take on that? 
I think that you are so correct, Polly. This time during the COVID pandemic has given us plenty of time to pull back and reassess. And I think for uh, people who are earlier in their careers or perhaps parents who are just uh, trying to learn to juggle it all, now is a time where they're reevaluating where their priorities are. And you know, you and I've talked about this a little bit, but I created my own gig career because it wrapped around my family's life. I could make a lot happen, just not in that traditional workspace of nine to five every day. So, uh, you know, I often thought early on that I would go back to that. Well, the income would outweigh the, um, the reason why I would do it. I would be earning more money as a gig worker, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I've stuck with it for the most part for uh, all of these years and learned a lot in the process. You launched into a really important point from the beginning. There are people who think, well, it's going to be so much easier to just work at home or be a good gig worker and, and work on my own schedule. And in my experience, it's basically what 200% of the time I want to work, right? I'm still working just as hard, but I have the freedom to coordinate my schedule around the other things, my family, my, my teenage daughter, uh, you know, the trips we want to take, I have the freedom to coordinate that schedule around those things that are also important to me. And that is another reason that I still do what I do, because I find that I have become so accustomed to being able to work my schedule around everything else in life too that it's just a very rewarding way to approach your work life. It's not for everyone. You talk through the whole book and, and your, your new book, Freelance Fancies, is really a good way if people are thinking about this, go get this book, read the book, and really assess yourself as you go. Because one of the things you talk about throughout the entire book is resilience and your ability to adapt. And you also talk about knowing your strengths and weaknesses so you can determine if this is going to be a match for the kind of life you want to lead. Exactly. Polly, I think you and I have done this long enough that we both understand there's a lot of hustle in the freelance world. You're, you're selling yourself. And sometimes with you, I think this is the case. And with myself, it was the case. Work comes from people we know. And when you're passionate about the work you're doing, more people are going to come to you and refer projects to you. So it's not that you have to sell yourself all the time, but you really have to be out there understanding that people know you, they know your skills, and they're willing to work with you because you bring a lot to the table for them. So that, you know, that idea that you do start with saying, and in the book, I started out with talking about entrepreneurship, because that's really something I found as ASJA president, a common trait among all writers, we think creatively. That's what entrepreneurs do. We start out and say, how do we build a business? You know, I had a business before I realized that's really what I was doing as a freelancer <laughs> way back. <laughs> and, and so, you know, those kind of skills about entrepreneurs are something that freelance freelancers bring to the table too, whether you're a writer, you're a photographer, you're a designer, whatever creative field that you might be in. It's how you present yourself and you sell yourself to people. And then there's sort of the, you know, the business end of that too. So we're doing our creative work, right? But we're keeping track of 
who pays us and how much they paid and do they owe us again yet sort of thing. So, so as every entrepreneur knows, you start out very small, you're doing everything yourself and you learn what your best skills are. For example, generally I'm a big picture thinker. I proofreading is something I will put off, put off, put off, put off, and then finally get it done. Okay. I feel like that is not my best skill, but I have learned to be able to be a good proofreader because my work requires it. So you really have to understand yourself pretty well as you move forward in your freelance career to determine what you want that to look like. I know people who love proofreading and that's all they do all the time in their freelance work. Yeah, that is not me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't like it. I'm not good at it either. I, I'm more of a big picture too. <laughs> but what I think is important to consider is, you know, I, I created essentially my dream job. This is the thing I, I dreamed about when I was a little kid. And there are still days when the work is hard and I don't want to do it and I'm not, and I'm feeling scared or insecure or whatever, right? You still, like you said, this is a business and there are going to be aspects of businessing that not, that aren't your strengths or aren't what you want to do. It's not about doing the work you want to do all the time. If you want to sustain this thing. Holly, you're, you're so right about that, too, because, you know, if we understand ourselves well and what we love to do versus what maybe what we can hire someone to do for $15 an hour or $50 an hour. And believe me, there are projects that I hire other contractors at the rate of $50 an hour because it's just that valuable to get that piece of my work done. Yeah. Um, and, and so as you continue to understand yourself and you pick and choose the things you do, you can, and this is why it's so important to take an hour a week to really have a meeting with yourself and whether that's Sunday evening, Monday morning, Monday evening, whatever works for you as a professional to take that time and evaluate where you are, what you have coming up, what, Polly, you hit on something so important. What doesn't excite you and why doesn't it excite you versus what you're really passionate about and looking forward to? And that you mentioned something that is really, I, I think, for purposes of growth in, in someone's career as a freelancer. And at this point in this era of reevaluation that we're having is that as you know, my, my oldest sister pointed out to me when I think I was 13 or something, no pain, no gain. So whether you're 45, you're 25, or you're 63, it's still no pain, no gain. You suck it up, you say, I'm a big girl now, you look yourself in the mirror, and you understand that we are, this era is also looking for adults to lead, okay? So what we're doing right now isn't just about ourselves, it's the world. It's about how, what we put out there for everyone else to see every day. And, and you assume a role that maybe you haven't had to assume in your life. But as you look around yourself and you question other things going on, then it's time that you may know, well, adults are needed and I'm one of them today. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a huge point in all areas right now. I mean, we do have to suck it up, people. We have to suck it up in the way we're relating to our communities and each other and our work because your work, whether you're a gig worker or not, should be making a positive contribution. It should matter. And I think often we're doing this and don't even take time to realize uh, the value we're bringing. So I think that's part of it too. You need to sit back and say, no, this is bigger than me. And on some days when I'm struggling, I, I remember that. I remember the people who uh, you know, write me about my books or, or check in with me about the newsletter and say, hey, this really helped me today because we need to find those sources too and remind ourselves that what we're doing here matters and it's of value. And that helps me do a better job too. Now, I want to talk about how to get into this because you talk a lot, Sherry, about passion, about the greater good. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about how to create meaningful gig work that you're passionate about and that leaves the world in a better place. We'll be right back with Sherry Beck-Karpaki. This is Paula. You're listening to the Polly Campbell Simply Said podcast, where we talk about how to live well, do good, be happy on the best business network of Electricast. And we are here with Sherry Beck-Karpaki talking about gig work and really talking about creating a lifestyle around your work or a job around your lifestyle, right? I think it's integral. And when we were going to break, Sherry, you were talking about the importance of really knowing what you like and what you don't, knowing what your strengths are. And in your book, you talk a lot about the importance of doing at least some projects that you are passionate about, some projects that you believe add to the greater good. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I sure can, Polly. You know that, and in the book, I do have a chapter about when that greater good concept sort of came like a bright shining light to me, sort of explaining uh, that that phrase, that concept was never really talked about in my family, but that's really the way I was brought up as a young woman and have sort of looked, had a service mentality, say, um, let's just call it that. But, you know, as we go beyond that, that, that greater good aspect is you know, every morning ask yourself, what am I doing today for the greater good of society? What am I doing for the greater good of the human, of mankind today? Um, and certainly I have many days that I get up, roll out of bed and don't even think about that until the end of the day and wonder what the heck I have been doing. Um, but, but, you know, let's roll that back a little bit. And, and what exactly does that mean? And I think uh, what, what I've come across is something that psychologists refer to, two types of happiness, okay? And this isn't just your own personal happiness. You'll see how all this ties together. So there's hedonic happiness, and that is happiness that's created by, oh, I meet my friends every Thursday evening for happy hour. We have a great time. It makes me happy, and therefore I'm happy, Okay, that's a less deep rooted type of happiness. We all need those moments of joy also, but the deep rooted type of contentness and happiness with our lives comes from something that is called eudaimonic happiness. And that means having meaningful purpose in your life. Okay, so when we think about and uh, you know, I know a lot of people separate life from work, but, you know, my mind flows 
uh, together so much through the day that I don't sort that out. If you're unhappy with your work period, then you probably are unhappy with your life overall, mm-hmm. because something is off. So, so in my work, since that moment in time where that phrase, you know, the greater good and what that means to sort of stick around for the greater good, as this young woman said, she had dreamed about brought to light to me that what is our purpose on this earth? And really, you know, that big thought about what what you are meant to do. And I say in the book, what you're meant to do with your creative talents and, you know, for gig creative workers, you know, in your heart, every person has the ability to work towards what they're meant to be but they need to listen to themselves. They need to stop the noise, stop all these sort of input and listen to themselves to get to that point and then follow the path. And Polly, something you said on, on the break uh, reminded me uh, that I also mentioned this in the book of which a friend just recently reminded me of this. Sometimes the projects to you, the projects you're meant to do come easiest. At first blush, they may not look like the project you're supposed to do mm. because you're thinking you're over here to the left, but you know that project goes to the right, whatever it may be. Um, and, and also, I think some of us are just used to um, the struggle. You know, it, it's going to be harder. It's not going to be worth it. Well, maybe not. Maybe things that come to you easiest are the things you're really meant to be. It's a door opening that we quickly close. And many times in my life, I've done this. And, and more recently, many times I've told people, I think you should go this direction. And they'll say, I don't want to go that direction. When you're feeling like, uh, okay, just be aware of that sense that something is in your universe. It's telling you something. What is it telling you about yourself? That maybe you're good at something you never really thought you would be a professional at. Um, Maybe it adjusts your career path just slightly in a direction that maybe the universe needs right now. More voices working towards a greater good of of humankind. Um, So I think that's what people need to be aware of, those two levels of happiness and understand that the deep-rooted one is what is going to make you feel like you're contributing. It will not only make you happy, but you will be contributing to other people's lives too. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. And as I've grown up, right, and learned more about myself, I have uh, tailored my work more and more to this. And sometimes that meant I took a financial hit in the short run to do it. Like I stopped working with people I don't want to work with. For a time, I took everything that came to me, and then it was causing so much stress or anxiety. Now, it took me 20 years to get to that point, and I did take, in the short run, a financial hit. But then what I found is more of the projects I wanted and more of the people I wanted started coming in and filling in that space, right? Because when you're working with good people or you're working on good projects, they are surrounded by good projects too. And they bring more of that to you. So, so knowing that about yourself and knowing what you want to contribute and you, Sherry, I so relate. You said, you know, I, for a long time, I was doing these projects that felt so easy that I felt like 
they didn't matter or I wasn't challenging myself <laughs> enough. Or finally, I just stepped back and, and I was talking to a friend. She said, there's nothing easy about that for me. Maybe it's just what you bring. Maybe it's just right. that's what you're supposed to do, right? Right, exactly. And, and I think that that is, um, you know, sometimes in life we're given things that just seem really easy because that's what we're supposed to have at that point in life. And that's, you know, one of the things that led me to write this book was what I was doing, one of my big clients is something that is not highly demanding because I have 30 years of experience at doing this type Mm -hmm. of project. So I really was on the lookout for, it seems like there's more here. You mentioned financial hit, Polly, and you are so correct. That's one of the roadblocks talked about sort of in the coaching industry that the financial wall that we all hit is usually something that's pretty low. Oh, I'm not going to spend money on that course. I'm not going to spend money to do this conference, whatever, because we can rationalize that so easily, right? Sometimes I recently became a certified um, coach through the John Maxwell Group. And what I had to realize after many years of mentoring and informally coaching people was that I didn't know a process for coaching people. I really wanted to learn from the pros. I really wanted to know what that looked like. I knew it was more than me just telling them what path I thought they needed to be in and them sort of vocalizing what they didn't want to do. And, you know, sort of this complaint session where we try to stay positive instead. And I wasn't, I wasn't doing that formally. I wasn't being paid to do it or anything, but I really thought, okay, at this point in my career, uh, I want to formalize some of this at some times. And I want to be able to bring to the table, what will really, what has been proven to help people through that process. So I agreed to join a program and go through the educational process of doing it. I'm a changed person because of it. Mm. It really affected my life and gave me, um, you know, I talk about forward focus some, it gave me a forward focus in somehow I know that's really important in my life. Yeah. I, I, it's an investment in the way you will live your life. And I think we have to know what we're willing to pay for that right? and and be willing to commit to that. We've talked a lot about writing because you and I are writers among other things, but when you talk about gig work, you're talking about software designers, game designers, graphic artists, can anything be gig work in this day and age? You know, that that whole gig economy really, we started hearing more and more about it because of Uber and Lyft, face it, you know? And and yes, anybody who works on a contract can be referred to as a gig worker, a freelance worker if they want to. I I think the creative industries use freelance a little more than other industries. Um, But I think that as gig workers, we may all have our different pathways and how we approach those pathways. You know, whether you're a software designer uh, working on a project that really feels meaningful to you, or whether you're designing a game, a video game that um, may or may not be meaningful. I think what, what we do in life is evaluate what our gig is, what pathway we're on, 
And in the back of the book, what I did was incorporate an exercise in sort of prioritizing uh, the greater good in our lives and how do we get there. And there are a lot of ways to get there. If you're designing software and working with software every day that may or may not have big meaning to you, there is probably another way, another way in your life that you're contributing or that you're thinking about contributing towards sort of this, uh, a more tangible greater good of mankind, even though software on any given day is a really important contribution yeah, to humanity sure. as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah. I, I think that's a simply start segment today. Think about your gig work. If you're interested in pursuing this, don't, we're not suggesting you quit your office job and just launch, but think about what's your gig. What do you want to do? What would you imagine this would look like around your family, around your house, around the other things you like to do? What kind of work do you want to do and where do you want to do it? And then simply nifty, pick up Sherry's book. It's going to help answer a lot of questions for you and cause you to think about some other things. It's called Freelance Fancy, Your Guide to Capturing Spiritual Health, Wealth, and Happiness from Gig Work. And listen, it's all of those things. It has to be all of those things if you want to sustain a career in freelancing because it's awesome and it's hard and you have to find your resilience and perseverance and adapt all the time. But if you're healthy spiritually, if you're getting the income you need to take the stress off and do the things you want to do in your life, and if you feel good about the work you're doing, you're going to have the intrinsic motivation you need to make a career out of this. Sherry, where can we find your book, the, the other work, the coaching you're doing? How can we track you down? Okay. Uh, I have a website, sherrybeckpaparaki.com. You can come contact me through that. Uh, you can also contact my company. I have now formulated a company, rsrock.media. And you can contact me through there. The book's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, every online site you can imagine, as well as some small bookstores. Freelance Fancy, your guide to capturing spiritual health, wealth, and happiness from gig work by Sherry Beck Perpaki. It helps identify our tendencies and our strengths so we know if we can be successful at this before we quit our life and walk out the door, right? It's important to take time to figure out what we want to create for ourselves and our lives. This book will help you do it. You can find me at polycampbell.com. Also, I'm, I'm taking on a new project, a series of personal essays on Substack. Look for Polly Campbell Simply Said on Substack. Also on Facebook at Polly Campbell Author. Remember, when we are creating work that contributes to the greater good and following the projects that we are passionate about, not only can we make a living, but we can create a life we want to live. And that will help us all live well, do good, and be happy. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. Touchdown! On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. 
Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Electric acid. 